Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Hi there. You're listening to Lighthouse Little Grit Out of the Dark. I'm your host, Anna David. Welcome to the show if you're new. It's where I talk to entrepreneurs about uh, their struggles, their success, how we can take our darkest experiences and often often make them into our light. So this is a great episode. She's adorable, this girl. Uh, Shauna Feluzzi. Uh, Feluzzi, I have some trouble with pronunciation at times. It's uh, one of those interviews that's taken from my Apple TV show, which you can see on the EverTalk TV network, but you don't, you could see it and that's amazing, but this is also, you get to listen. It's a multimedia experience, you guys. So uh, if you listen to this episode, you will hear how this former model took uh, food issues and made that into a business, uh, what her morning practice is and how she defines light, dark, grit, and hustle. Hi, this is Light Hustle Grit Out of the Dark. I am your host, Anna David. I am super excited about today's guest. I'm going to get right into it. Uh, she is a celebrity chef and nutritionist. She secured her place in leading publications, just like Vogue, HuffPo, Zoe Report, Pop Sugar, nothing. Um, she's the founder of Soul Wellness Method, which is a care guide for the soul and shares her philosophies with her digital community across social media at at Soul Wellness Method. Welcome, Shauna Felici. Thank you. I said it wrong. Felici. Oh, so, so, so close. close. Thank you. Um, and I'm really excited to talk to you because we have chatted in brief and in passing so many times, so many. but never actually sat down and how great that it's being recorded for posterity. <laughs> um, so, okay, let's talk. We're going to talk struggles. We're going to talk success. Okay. We're going to talk sharing your dark to find your light. Okay. So... Let's get into it. What brought you to being a nutritionist in the first place? Because I'm imagining um, some like obsessions around food, something about that totally. or health. Totally. So I grew up dancing. So I was on a competition team dancing like over 20 hours a week. And I went to a ballet school on top of it, se completely separate. My ballet teacher was very much against me earning trophies. He's like, these are doorstops. And so I had two very different worlds that I was living in. But obviously very similar. And I did that up until my senior year of high school. And in retrospect, that's just kind of moving meditation for many hours a week. And of course, you don't really know the impact that's having on you. Um, so I think that that's really my foundation into my wellness journey. Fast forward to moving to Manhattan when I was 19. Where were you growing up? Where Long was Island, New York. Long Island. Yes. Okay. And was that, I mean, that sounds very high maintenance. It was high maintenance, but my parents are kind of awesome. And they, it was never, if it ever felt stressful, it would be something that I wouldn't be doing. It was, there was never pressure around it. It was truly what I wanted to be doing. So it was pick up from school, going to ballet and the ballet gear, slick back hair, and then going to a competition class and the studio where I'm eating in the car and changing 
my whole outfit in the front seat of the car. Like, it was crazy, but it never felt crazy. I was really happy. Right. No tiger mom. It was, no, like, all you. All me. All me. Okay, but I grew up doing ballet. There was a lot of pressure on bodies. My teacher, Ms. Patterson, <laughs> if you're watching, this was so not cool, used to put us on the scale when we were these little tiny children and shame us for our weight. Did you have any of that no, stuff? No, I never did. Although, so I started modeling in high school and I was print modeling and I was also fit modeling and I would go into the city. And again, it was all me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were times I was fit modeling and I was actually fit modeling for lingerie companies as I'm just naturally very busty. And they would tell my manager, you know, she's gaining some weight and then she would have to bring that up. So that definitely planted a little bit of um, my journey before I even knew it was happening because then now you're like counting points. And oh, so you did like Weight Watchers. Yeah, that was what my family did. Like mm-hmm. if we wanted to lose weight, if anyone in the house was doing it, we did Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> okay. So then you, um, you moved to New York. Yes. And what happened? So I moved at 19 and I moved into a studio apartment. I had, didn't want to go to school right away. And my parents were like, that's totally cool. We support you, but you can either live here and pay us rent or you can move wherever you want and pay your own rent. So I was like, see you later. And yep. I got a place on third and first and I was working in a restaurant and I was modeling and that started kind of this whole disorderly eating spiral from, I think, what it really stemmed from was really being lonely and being a 19 in this new environment that wasn't even that new. I grew up going to New York City, but here I am now in a studio with no friends and my family's an hour away and I didn't know how to how to cope with that. So I coped with it by eating at night and binge eating after working a double, I would go to the bodega on the corner and get ice cream and I'd wake up to wrappers on the floor and it just was this vicious cycle in this really dark time. And I had gone vegan around 18 and I, it was, it worked really well for me at that time. And I was so tied to this identity in New York city that I was a vegan and everyone knew me like as this vegan, Oh, can we get her a separate menu? Or she can't have that. She's vegan. And I loved that. Uh-huh. So all of my secret eating was being done in my house. And I was kind of okay with some of my choices. I'm like, at least it's not fully meat. It's ice cream. Right. Right. Yeah. But that contributes to the shame that you have this actual identity as this like healthy, whatever, you know, this person who makes very careful choices. So that is what's so fascinating to me is that's actually led you to your life. That led you to what you were going to do with your life. So how did that happen? So I didn't even realize this until two years ago when I was looking back just on my life living in East Village and there was a health food store on Fifth Street and I would just like meander in there. I would just like feel like I was getting sick. I had chronic yeast infection. So I was so sick of getting a Diflucan. I would come back every month and I would just go into the store and start like buying these cleanses. And this was like 2000, not even 2010, like this wasn't a cool thing to be doing. And I was eating weird food and just like, I was kind of into that. And it wasn't until I moved out to Los Angeles where I was starting new. I didn't really, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have things to do. So I would go on Eventbrite or Instagram was just starting. And I would see like someone hosting a workshop for smoothies or a yoga class. And I'm like, 
I might as well just go. I mean, that sounds kind of cool. And yeah. I would go and then all of a sudden now I have superfoods and I was just experimenting making smoothies and then I'm feeling better and I was dropping weight and I was like, wow, this is like a thing and I'm loving this. And then everything I was reading was like mind, body, green, well and good. It was the really the start of this industry at that time. And I was obsessed and I knew I loved helping people from working in the restaurant. I loved being of service. And now I had this obsession with health and wellness. And I had an epiphany one day and I cried and I enrolled in school the next day. Cooking school? No, uh, nutrition school. Nutrition school here in, in LA? Uh, online. Online, okay. Yes. And so you learn about nutrition. Had you always been cooking? Because cooking no. is a huge part of your business. It's a huge part. So I used to do meals of resurface. I used to cook for like 10 to 15 celebrities a week. And that started because I was introduced to a celebrity, get her ready for a movie. And I was like, great, you know, this is what we're going to do to get you ready. And this is what I want you eating. And we're going to talk. And she was like, that's great, but I'm not going to do that. I need you to cook for me. And I was like, okay. But how, okay, how do you go from, <laughs> I moved to LA, I don't know anyone to a celebrity, someone asking you to help her get <laughs> So this is like three years yeah. into living in Los Angeles. Um, I, I was, you know, I started my practice and I started hosting events or putting myself out there on Instagram. And all of those little steps looking back, it seems like very minute, but they're, they're a big deal when you're starting a business. And I just did whatever I could do with the credentials that I had. Mm -hmm. And they just all eventually snowballed into each other. And I was introduced to this person and that was it. And so she's like, you got to go cook for me. So she'd go, okay, I'm going to do it. And then it became a meal delivery service for other celebrities. So I cooked for her for this film. I was cooking for her every two days. I would deliver. She was going to Mexico to film, would come back on the weekends, and then I would have her food. That she would so, take to Mexico? Yeah. So first it was like getting her in shape. Then filming started like two months later. Then it was she would take it to Mexico. And filming end. And she was like, I love the way I feel. I've never felt better. And I want you to continue cooking for me, but I'm not going to pay you what you're charging the movie studios because <laughs> I was charging Sony by the hour. Right. Why not? Yeah. So I was like, shoot. So she's like, I'm either going to use you or a meal delivery service. So I did some research and I was like, okay, this is what a, a premium meal delivery service costs. And I basically said to her, you know, I can do this for more people if, if, we can make that happen. And all of a sudden I was cooking for her whole cast of her show and some of her friends after she posted a photo in a bikini. And and so you, it was, it, do you still, are you driving them and delivering yeah. them? So I was cooking for about 12 hours, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I had two to three girls helping me all those days. And then I would hop in the car and hand deliver around Los Angeles. Right. And so you don't do that anymore. No. Okay. And then well, that's how Sakara started too. Exactly. I used to think about those girls all the time. I'm like, these girls were up at six on their bicycles dropping off. And they were big and they were like silent inspiration to me. Yeah. Because I knew their story and what they grew was incredible. I just never saw myself growing to what they, I didn't see myself scaling that business. Yeah. It was wonderful at the time, and I still work with a lot of those clients, but in um, a capacity where I'm cooking in their home. Okay. So the business today is what exactly? What is your day-to-day? -day? So my day-to-day -day is private clients who are all around the world, um, 
Instagram posting and being active on there. And uh, a few times a week, I'm at other clients' homes cooking for them. And that's kind of like a full day of, of work. Like that's mm-hmm. all I'm doing that day. Mm-hmm. And you do events like you, and do you yes. work with Vanessa? We met well, or we, I'd met you before, but Vanessa yes. Fitzgerald. Yeah, so she and I do um, summits where we curate different topics and we bring people together and have really cool discussions about things that people aren't talking about, like money and fem- female and masculine dynamics and just things that people are interested in. But it's kind of, um, it's more of a grounded conversation, I think, that the wellness community isn't necessarily having. So we really try to bring that to the table. Um yeah, I do events and I'm working on a an online community where people can come and get recipes without all the ads and the stories and all these things and a, on a recipe website. It's just a sole wellness method website where people can come and gather information. My my pet peeve with recipe websites <laughs> is like I don't want the whole story of no, how their it's like how it, it changed my life. I don't <laughs> I just want to know how to do it. I know, I know. And all the photos and the pop-up. Ah, leave me alone with that. So what are your business goals? Getting that online community going. Yes. um, More clients. Like, what's your vision for the next five years? Yeah, definitely more clients are always great. I think it's really important to be in the field speaking with people who are living their life every single day. I know people who have built online communities and they no longer see private clients. And that's not something that I really ever want to do. I could possibly scale back on my one-on-one clients, but I learn so much from them and I learn what's happening in the field, in like real life field, not this wellness Los Angeles kind of bubble that we're in. Yeah. So it's really, really important for like R&D even. Mm-hmm. Um, so Interesting. bringing more people together and also making wellness accessible to the masses, which I think is uh, is lacking in wellness. And so talking about the disordered eating, how did you, did this career kind of cure that? It definitely, there actually has been times where it added to it. So when I was in nutrition school, I was trying all the different things I was learning. So I would try raw diet or vegan or only paleo. I was trying everything. I was eating so many grains. Like every week I was trying something new and that was more experimenting. But then there was kind of this thing that happened two years after where people were drinking like these morning coffees and the intermittent fasting. And, you know, there's just so much information and sometimes certain aspects of this information get are louder than others. And even for health professionals and people who know better, I think it's really easy to get sucked into a trend. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there have been times that it, it fed my orthorexia. Um, and I was just afraid to kind of eat anything, or I was afraid to go outside of this one specific diet. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, I just want to feel good. And I don't want to feel like I have a, any disorderly eating. And I, I want to really listen to my body. I know it's trite, but if I want to have breakfast and not intermittent fast, like I, I'm going to do that now. Right. Right. Uh, this is, this is so great. Okay. Now I've got a, um, lightning round for you, which just means say the first thing that comes to mind. Um, don't think about it too much. Okay. What is your morning routine? Uh, no phone, sunlight, 
water, coffee. Okay, so no phone, but yes, sunlight, water, coffee. Yes. Okay, it's interesting. Where, you, where, where we know each other from is this event. I don't know if you were at the last one, but there was Dr. This... Michael Group. Yes, <laughs> Dr. Bruce. I have to say, I changed my morning routine as a result of him, <laughs> and I've now changed it back because he said, don't have coffee for the first hour oh. and a half. You have to have sunlight first. Yes. So I definitely swap between the two sometimes. I don't always do the hour and a half. I actually haven't noticed a difference. But me I, neither. I'm familiar with his work. I've seen him at like the Bulletproof Conference and he got me onto the sunlight. So you take a walk? I just like sit outside. Sometimes I bring the coffee out to the stoop and I do Ooh, both at the same time. But water always before caffeinating. Always. Like yeah. that's a non-negotiable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is a book that has changed your life? The Alchemist. Okay, I like it. Um, do you have a favorite quote? I would have to say it's from The Alchemist. When when you want something so bad, the whole universe conspires to help you get it. I'm paraphrasing, but... I like that paraphrase. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Have you had a mentor? I haven't. You have No, I know. Let's talk about that. Is that something you want? <laughs> I do. I do want a mentor. I'd say the closest people to being a mentor are my parents because they're entrepreneurs and they just are amazing. But I would love someone who is more in my space yeah. as a mentor, whether it's wellness or marketing or just in the space a little bit closer. I'll tell you my experience with this is I heard first heard about mentors like five years ago. I'd never even heard of the concept. And I was like, I want a mentor. And I started looking on like um you know, meet up. And I was like, I'm going to go to like an entrepreneur. Anyway, my mentor is this guy, Joe Polish, who like ended up being so much bigger and better than anyone I could have mm. invented in my brain. I was thinking so small. Mm. And the way he became my mentor is I started helping him. Yeah. How did you start helping him? He wanted to get into the recovery advocacy space. I wanted oh. marketing information. I started kind of introducing him in that space. And now it's this totally symbiotic thing. That I was That's waiting amazing. for someone to come along and be like, help me, let me help you. And I just could, I didn't understand that that's not how it works oh. in my experience. So what's your spiritual practice? Um, it's really my own sort of internal thing of just observing and also being faithful that it's going to work out. Right. I love it. What's your best quality? I'm kind. No, you are. <laughs> How do you define dark? Mm, it's um, a period, periods that ebb and flow into your life that I think should be welcomed as much as the positive times. Um, what? How do you define light? when you're feeling so peaceful and at one really with the universe it sounds so crazy no. but when just things seem like they're flowing yeah and you're yeah. happy in your heart and how do you define grit mm, uh getting in there like in the field in the trenches seeing what's happening, having your ears peeled, and getting to work. And how do you define hustle? Ooh, that one I think, I used to only say hustle, but I actually prefer grit. I think hustle can be sloppy. Interesting. Yeah, I think um, like the actual definition of hustle is something like, um, it's like something along the lines of it being a little messy. 
Interesting. Yeah. So I try not to use the word like I'm hustling anymore. Yeah. I used to. I you say I got grit. I'm stronger than I got grit. <laughs> you don't have to say that. Or like I'm moving or like I'm like doing things. I love the word hustling. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Sean. <laughs> this you. was delightful. This has been Light Hustle gr Hustle. Grit out of the dark. I'm your host, Anna David. I will talk to you very soon.